That's how it goes. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Life Behind Beer, a podcast by Iron Horse Brewery. My name is Jared, one of the hosts. Who else do we got here today? Hi, I'm Ricky. I'm the director of Optimism at Iron Horse Brewery. Hey, Ricky. Hi, I'm Paul. I'm the uh, controller and uh, chief uh, numbers cruncher, accountant, uh, chief abacus operator, whatever you want to call me. Abacus advocate. Abacus advocate. Thank you. That's what I was. That's what I was thinking. Comes a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm Tyson Reed. I am the brewmaster here at Iron Horse Brewery. And last but not least, our uh, legacy podcast uh, host, me, Wes. Yay, Wes. What's up, Wes? Excellent. Well, uh, we're starting off with our beer drinking experience. Uh, Wes chose this one. Why don't you tell about it? Uh, it's a mango IPA from Bailbreaker Brewing. And they brewed it with some other brewers. I can't remember the other brewery name right now, but it uh, some of the proceeds uh, benefit Casa Hogar, which is... Uh, organization that benefits a lot of the agricultural workers in the area, including a lot of people that contribute to the brewing industry by way of uh, hop farming and things like that. Uh, it's Cerveceria de Colima, Cerveza Loba, Ronin Fermentation Project, South Norte, YCA Tops, and Bailbreaker, according to the can. Nice. Interesting. So Bailbreaker's half an hour from us, Yakima, mm-hmm. right? They've been around for... What about five years now? Yeah, about Six that. Years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's. Um, I like the beer. I think it's. Uh, I'm not really good at breaking down the flavors. This is why there's professionals here that are better at that than I am. But I I like what, do you, what do you think? It's not overly sweet, which I very much appreciate for any sort of a fruit beer. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because was... even fruity IPAs tend to get too like saccharine. Mm. But. Yeah, that was the first thing I noticed. Uh, I was expecting it to just really kind of hit me in the face with mango, and it really it doesn't. It's mm-hmm. very, very subtle. I like that. Wes, did you what, what motivated you to pick this beer today? Uh, well, they've made this beer. This might be just the second year they made it, but I had actually been to their tap room a couple weeks ago and picked up a six pack of this. So Thanks. wanted to drink it fresh. Convenience. Sure. Yeah. Nice. Thank Smart. you. Excellent. Uh, any any ob- observations? So it's uh, you know one of the things I've noticed is that it's a wrapped can versus a printed can, uh, par- partly by design, but maybe limitations too on can availability. As we know, we're having a bit of a shortage that way. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would just imagine they wouldn't want to commit. I mean, I don't know how big of a batch this is, but mm-hmm. like, do you think it'd be big enough to fill an entire you know truck truckload full of cans? Probably not. So it makes sense that they would just want to wrap it. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of mango. Mm. Had, like, yeah. A lot of, a lot of hand chopping. A lot of yeah. slices of mango. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of prep, morning prep for uh, the mango. But I, or do they, I, I, really, I mean, overall, they I really use some. No, they use, uh, they use actual mango because when um, I was there for the Pink Boots meeting last month, um, uh, she was talking, she had like the big, like, uh, what are those? It looks like our chem totes, but it's like mango puree. Mm. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we got some topics to talk about. Um, the first on, on the list is uh, Tyson's favorite subject of uh, just you know taking a beer and then mixing it with another beer and <laughs> destroying it. Uh, an, an article from Draft Magazine written by Kate Bernot Berno, probably Berno, I'm guessing. Just the idea that Bernois. Bernois. There's no there's no I in the oh, darn it. So, <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't really. Um, but just the idea that you know a brewery produces two beers and then 
consumers or you know people in general just like to combine those beers to make their own concoctions of flavors and mm -hmm. um, well thoughts black and tan was obviously the first uh, the first the first or longest lasting version of this mm -hmm. I mean it's definitely something that I don't think you know Iron Horse has ever been averse to I mean if you go to our pub we even have a secret menu as well, I guess it's not so secret now but of uh, uh, you know different combinations of beer and that goes back you know for as long as I've been going to Iron Horse to, to drink so yeah. I think it started um, with the original tap room uh, pourer Reagan because the mm -hmm. light rail plus double rainbow is Reagan's rainbow that was mm -hmm. before I started yeah I think they just keep a secret from me. Yeah, I remember there was a regular. He would. Um, what did Warren do? He would do. Um, it was like a third, five oh nine, and then the rest original IPA. Um, mm. He called it the. What did he call it? The racehorse or something? But for the most part, people didn't really do that. Occasionally, you would get like um, in my serving days, people would do like the black and tans, but with light rail and Irish death. Um, but for the most part, people wouldn't. But then sometimes somebody would just be kind of weird, and they say, "Give me a graveyard and right. a little bit of everything," and that's gross. But does it yeah. matter? I mean, does it does it matter what the consumer? No, is? I, I think I mean like anything to do with taste. It's going to be subjective. You know, if you want to, you know drink your beer that way you're entitled to do that and mm -hmm. like I, I i mean i don't know like i i, I think uh, yeah maybe it's i mean tyson might view it as kind of a big you know fuck you but like <laughs> but i mean I, I mean you know how people want to enjoy their beer is kind of their business you know that's how i look at it as long as they're you know coming in and buying the stuff that's yeah. all i care about just the money i just wish you just care, yeah just yeah. the numbers that's all i want to see God, i don't, I don't care about if they're paying for it yeah but then there's like also that kind of ties into um my long-standing rant of i don't like untapped because then these are the same people that are then gonna like rate it on untapped and they'll their like, version of the beer yeah and you know mm -hmm. shit like that so so it just kind of it's like the me. people that do the recipes online mm -hmm. and then they're like this recipe was terrible mm -hmm. but i substituted this <laughs> for this mm -hmm. and i, I took out all oil. i took out all the butter and then i <laughs> added peas and took out the, the yeah. and it's yeah. like yeah but that's not the same recipe anymore yeah. Mm -hmm. uh yeah no i i care less and less as i get older uh I, and there was a time when i probably would have been extremely offended by it but these days yeah you know Mm -hmm. I don't really care, but it's not how we designed it. It's not how we intended it to be drinking. So I guess take that as you will. What do, what do you think, Wes? Basically, a conglomeration of what's already been said. You know, I, people should do what they want, and if they enjoy it, awesome. But the caveat in this case is I don't think you can judge a brewery's products from those random mixtures that you're making yeah definitely it's like for some reason this just doesn't taste great mm -hmm. well it's because you made a graveyard in fact we have a we have the death yard right at the yeah. brewery where it just it's like all the beers on tap put it in there um i think it's it's pretty rare though that we have anybody uh, that actually do it we have a, a friend of mine did it and he's right? like yeah, yeah i saw it on there so i wanted to try it and and he talked to me about it he goes, it was horrible i'm like of course it's horrible it's got all sorts of you know yeah. different flavors yeah. ipa right. the irish death in there it's not gonna it's not good. like running but the taps at like you know a soda machine where it's just like <laughs> yeah. hey, it's all sugar in the end right. but, but i mean yeah. I, do, I do think that certain you know I mean, certain beers are going to be you know complementary to each other sure. for mixing i mean you're not going to want to mix like you know like i don't know a a, a kettle sour with a uh, you know a Guinness or something like that. I mean, or uh, I don't know. I mean, or I mean, maybe, I don't, maybe that would work. But I'm just saying. I mean, you have beers at, at you know opposite ends of the spectrum that are going to not go well together, and some that actually might. I don't know. I, I personally like black and tans. I don't drink mm -hmm. them anymore because. 
think the worst hangover I've ever had from drinking beer has been from black and tan. It was probably the amount of beer that you. It was more the quantity than the than the yeah. I mean, we were probably doing something real fun. Oh yeah, Um, but. uh, so, so I mean, I, I think maybe in some circumstances, it's it's maybe a little more appropriate than others to to mm-hmm. try blending you know, beers together. One version, though, you know, I still I think I tried this and to push this out, um, it got some resistance. I would like to maybe explore this why it wouldn't work, but you know, we have life behind bars and Irish death, so a life and death, our version of a black and tan. Oh, that's fun. And I think we tried it, or somebody tried it, mm-hmm. but they tried it in this, the standard way, like you know, so pouring uh, life behind bars first and then adding the the Guinness. I think that's how you do it, right? They try mm-hmm. to do the Guinness float or whatever. Right, and you got to okay. do it the other way. Just be, would that be correct? Because of the gravity difference is density. All the, mm-hmm. yeah. density mm-hmm. So you have to switch it. But uh, that's one that I think we should probably still push for because you know mm-hmm. there's it's some just, people. It's good brand. Yeah, it's it's right. it's, a, it's, it's a novelty. You know? yeah. yeah, it's it's it's. Different. Would it actually taste good though, or is Life Behind Bars like a little too hoppy? Not- I don't know. We'll experiment. Yeah, let's <laughs> Maybe find out. Maybe the next yeah. sensory panel, yeah, we'll three. try it. <laughs> yeah. But Irish is definitely more dense than yeah. you have to put yeah. it on the bottom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Uh, okay, well, uh, moving on. Uh, there's a new app, Pint Pass. Uh, just looking at a little bit, one of the things that they're doing to get users, I, uh, this is what my estimation of what they're doing is trying to get that early adoption by incentivizing users to use the app by paying them for every check-in and taste um, that they do. And um, the two questions I have is like, do we need another, do consumers need another beer app, uh, even if it's slightly different? And uh, is, is, that a, is that a responsible way to and get users to pay them? Well, what exactly is the app? Is it another rating thing? Let's, let's take a look and see what it dives into. Yeah, there wasn't a ton of info on their website. They're, they're mostly just promoting the actual, I think they just want you to download the app to find out how it works, because I didn't see much on their site in, ter- in terms of the money are they is it entirely does anybody have any idea if it's entirely up to the user to decide what beers they're trying or do they have like a list of beers you're supposed to be going through or, or whatever like an offshoot one of those I'm pretty sure would, would violate some, some right this something to read definitely sounds legal. legal things yeah, yeah. Uh, so with beer distribution so um, I, I the the incentive is to go um, go visit breweries. So I imagine that part of their part of their business model, and this is all speculation, is getting breweries on board to to, to participate in the um, in the promotion side of it, right? Like, okay. hey, breweries, be part of this thing, and then you go visit, you check in at these various breweries across the United States, and by doing so. Kind of like creating like a hmm. national ale trail almost, or that's what it seems like. Just another version hmm. of that. Do we need one? Do we need another one of these? Hmm. Well, I don't use any of them anyway, so right. I would I say we're, no. We're the, worst, we're the worst audience to ask. Probably. Yeah. The, well, the, well, doesn't the Brewers Association have kind of a find a beer? Doesn't like craftbeer.com have like an app or something for it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's like. This is I mean, this feels more like a money making venture, which you know I get it. They're a business, but um, yeah. it feels like you could really rapidly blur the lines of, at best, ethics; at worst, yeah. mm-hmm. run afoul of the laws as it stands with with uh, alcohol distribution. Yeah. So I, I think I mean we're, like we're talking about two things. I mean, one, I think your question, Jared, was was just you know, do we need another app? Not not so much you know whether you should be paying people to use that app because that's probably just kind of a launching promotion. And I agree that, that ethically that seems a little murky. But like you know, in terms of overall you know just the number of you know apps that are related to craft beer, I don't have a problem with more. I mean, people people. I mean, you look at people that are really real hardcore you know, uh, um, uh, untapped users and, you know, they're, 
they're always going out looking for new beer and, and and trying to you know rack up as many badges or whatever as they can and i think that's fine anything that drives enthusiasm for the sure. industry is great um so if this app's gonna you know contribute to that great more power to it um it's just like i said though it does seem a little little shady you know, so, idea of paying people to use your product yeah. and, and i think that's probably just a well especially when you involve breweries yeah and, and yeah. you just yeah. think you know it might sound all great to somebody to to say oh if we join in with this we can get all these people here but you know as craft brewers we all have to realize that anything we can do uh, can do large that. breweries can do better <laughs> and deeper so mm-hmm. uh yeah. if we if we start trying to do this uh, we'll pay users to to drink and rate things um it definitely throws the uh legitimacy of the ratings off for sure but mm-hmm. in addition uh so here's what they here's what they say pine pass pays for your opinion we aggregate customer feedback and we're going to use it to improve the craft beer industry and the breweries you visit uh, you open up the app. You're at the brewery in the United States. Fill out a three to four short question and get paid real money. So, from a from a brewery standpoint, having access to you know basically survey data that's that's happening, mm-hmm. I I can see how that would be useful, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's sure. kind of taking what what we do internally with Untapped and people when they check in and when they talk about beer when they get in you know the beer that they're having if they have a good or a bad experience we try to engage with them. This is taking that to a very focused level. Mm-hmm. in making that happen so I know it, I'm curious it, it does have a distinct approach I guess um, and it looks like they're doing the first the $10,000 the first 500 people to download it they're going to divide that hmm. so what's that math what's that work out to be uh, I'll get back to you on that <laughs> I need a calculator for that <laughs> excellent uh, anything else on that no? okay. alright well we'll just move on uh, just a quick statement. I just thought it was, I, I saw the statement uh, on Reddit because that's where my favorite place to go and to die uh, is Reddit. But Ken Grossman from Sierra Nevada built his own brew house from used dairy equipment in 1979. He sold it to Mad River Brewing 10 years later, and in 2018 he bought it back. So the same equipment, that's and it just cool. got it got me thinking about our own uh, brew house that we, the Millennium Falcon, I think it was referred to. When are we going to get that back? Well, Conflux just opened, so um, probably 10 years from now, right? Now, where's Conflux brewing? They're out of Missoula. Okay. Um, yeah, That's so right. the, if you guys um, check them out on Facebook, they've been posting stuff, but they've um, started um, making um, brews actually on the brew house. I think they've done at least four or five now. Mm. Um, so, awesome. They yeah. didn't even ask us for help. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna guess never, Jared. Uh, is that is that a is that a direct request on on your part too? No, I, I just think that uh, now that we're in the process of constructing a new pub with brewing equipment in it, and we've already bought the brewing equipment, I don't foresee a real need. But yeah. and again, your story is what fifty years later almost. Right, right exactly. Yeah. So uh, yeah. who knows? Yeah. Uh, Never could come soon. I don't know that any of our current brewers that ever operated on it uh, no. look longingly back at it right now. So <laughs> uh, maybe in thirty or forty years they will. Mm-hmm. That's when nostalgia uh, kicks in. You know, back in my day, we used to have to do this yeah. manually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just in case uh, John wants to uh, remember how to shovel grain out yeah. six times a day. Wes, you never had the benefit of brewing on that, did you? I did not. No, so you, you missed out. Oh yeah. It was fun for me to watch. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. standing there, like, "What are you guys doing? Uh, this is work, and I'm sweating. Get out of here." <laughs> um, okay, well, that was a little bit of a trivia. Um, 
I read it again. There was a thread that someone asked about the state of the, the consumer today. Uh, guy by the name of Big Special. I, I'm assuming he's male, but that's uh, that could be my bias kicking in because you know. Hey, 60%. I'm special. You are special. Maybe you are a big special. Is this you? On Reddit? Um, the current state of mind for the modern craft beer drinkers. Try to get to the heart of the question because it was a bit of a rant. Uh, but basically saying that um, the current state of, of consumers that he noticed are just throwing out all the, the kind of the original founders of craft beer stone and dogfish head and all you know all those Pliny the Elder, all that kind of stuff. They're saying, oh, that beer is no longer good anymore and they have to sample to try it and the willingness to engage with different craft beer that styles that they don't necessarily like or or they want to really sample first before they commit to a pint before we used to be like oh let's just try it let's see because that's what craft is about right exploring different styles mm-hmm. seeing if you like it if you do or don't mm-hmm. but kind of taking that that state in mm-hmm. i wish i could look at it with that positive of a <laughs> uh, that they're out just looking for different styles but i I truly think it's like a, for lack of a better word, the the hipster mm-hmm. kind of a status just, symbol. Yeah, like people like, waiting in line for hours to get a bottle of Pliny and then posting it right. on their social media as it's, soon as they get it. Because it's not about people like Stone or or Dogfish Head not making good beer. <laughs> it's yeah. that's not cool to drink anymore. So yeah. we're gonna find something else, and you know. Uh, I don't know. That's kind of ridiculous, but yeah, here's the it is what it is. Here's the statement that sums it all up. My local brewery, the, in quotes, you know, my local brewery is better than yours and fuck the large breweries. That made it possible for my favorite local brewery to exist. So, you know, right. that's kind of the, is that the sentiment that's going on? Well, it well, yeah, kind of but, seems to be the trend right now, according to Brewers Association too, right? Isn't right. that something that Bart Watson just talked about? I don't know. I like, just know, I just uh, know that we even see the, the, the smaller scale of that here, you know, where where in Ellensburg, we're the largest brewery in Ellensburg and one of the largest breweries in eastern Washington, <clears throat> and we get that same kind of almost sentiment just within Ellensburg, you know, it's like, oh, we're going to go to the new brewery because you guys are too big now, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it has nothing to do with the beer you're drinking or the associations you have or the relationships you have. It's like just... Right, just the perception. It's just, yeah, you're right. too cool now. So you know, it's the uh, oh, I used to listen to that band when they were cool, mm-hmm. <laughs> or yeah, when they sure. first started. Yeah, but now you don't listen to it, and you're like, metaphor. is the music any different? No, like, what, what but I don't listen to it anymore because everybody else started listening to it. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that that was one of the things that the Brewers Association just kind of talked about. Like one of the things that Bart Watson was noticing was that. Um, if you're in like your first couple years of existence, you're on like a rapid expansion of sales. And then right. after you're over like 10 years old, like everything's just stagnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of, it seems, it seems like to follow that kind of, you know, just society or that kind of that buying group in general, they, they don't stick with one brand anymore. They, they want to try, Oh, I've already had that one. I want to try something else. And um, yeah, they, right. they haven't learned the, the, um, benefits of nostalgia, almost maybe. Sure, but I understand that sentiment. Yeah. I mean, even from the time I started drinking craft beer, it was, it was always. That, that's one of the beauties of craft beer is it's always about trying something new. Mm-hmm. There's so much out there that you don't have to drink the same thing. I just think this, some of this, has gone one step further that it has nothing to do with beer. Yeah, it's it's the it's company you're it's the dealing with than the beer because. 
Dogfish Head makes brand new beers all the time. Stone makes brand new beers all the time, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, we do, and every, you know, everybody's doing that. And so the variation's still there, but now people are first and foremost identifying companies. What's the newest, right. hottest company? Especially, you know, we see it because we're so close to Seattle. It's like a revolving door every two months of what mm-hmm. the hottest company in seattle is and everybody's doing it and they just shove them off and it's not because they weren't making different beer it wasn't because they weren't making good beer it's just what's new it's just you know what's uh, trendy uh, what's new it's what's trendy what's trendy another half brewing over in brooklyn Mm -hmm. they still have a massive reputation i think they're in their fourth year or fifth year of existence but Mm -hmm. they still because they produce small batches low limited run cans uh, it just lines around the block all the time. They're actually mm-hmm. changing their. Um, uh, so I met their quality guy, Anthony. Oh, okay. Good. What's up? Um, at um, that ASBC thing, and um, they're going to be moving their production facility. Actually, so they're um, growing. Yeah. yeah, they're growing. But um, it's interesting. He was talking about. So what they do is they do the Saturday sales for their cans, right? And so then just on one day they're selling 200 barrels worth of cans. And that's that's just their revolving door. That is their business setup. And he's talking about, you know, they're kind of figuring out, okay, so when we move our production out of Brooklyn, because they're going to be up in, like, it's not Rochester, but um, it was it was a brewery that was built by, like, oh, somebody yeah, who was, yeah. like, a family member of Ford, who the only way they could have an inheritance is if they opened a business. So they opened a brewery for, like, a year, made it pretty, and then <laughs> sold and it then off and got the inheritance gotcha. and stuff. Yeah, or something funky like that. But, um, sorry, Tony. Um, it, yeah, but they're... He he was talking about that because like you know he's he's is it's interesting um, their business model is just so opposite of ours. Um, right. <laughs> it was so strange, but yeah, but they that's how they then but they're they're so hyper local too because they're they're um, they're able to do that because you know in you know the same square footage of Brooklyn the per capita population or whatever is right. way more than Ellensburg so. Yeah, we just, we, just, we just experienced that, you know, that whole local thing. And I think it's, uh, you know, on one hand, it's I think it's great to support your local brewery, and that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but until the, until all the restaurants, bars, uh, stores, establishments have, you know, 70%, 80% craft, um, I think it's good to diversify, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, kind of, that kind of statement. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, and I think that it's us versus them. It's really not... Like Charlie, he's awesome. Yeah, that's good. Uh, well, thanks. A uh, big special on Reddit. Um, we'll, we'll link to your link this to your comments. Um, next one, Melvin Brewing. Uh, they've been in the news. Uh, they're in the news for a positive uh, statement. Now they're going to donate 100 percent of their proceeds of their beer uh, called Your IPA for the next two months in kegs uh, to abolish medical debt. And I thought um, when I saw that, I'm like, well, that's that's ambitious and um, expensive. And how can they? How is that a sustain, sustainable model? But then when you read the kind of the fine print, for one, it's cake sales. It's not not can sales. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that helps uh, make it sustainable, I suppose. But then then the use of language of how they did it. I think it's a great cause. I like the idea of it because you know mm-hmm. sometimes medical debt is just. We can go on a whole tangent as Paul and I were oh, for sure. talking about <laughs> that slippery slope. But um, I don't know what are your what are your what are your thoughts on this uh, project? Cause well, marketing is the kind of well. Unfortunately, my first question would be: uh, Is it court ordered? Understandable. My second one, I suppose, would be: I mean, it's all great to put on there abolish medical debt, but 
there's no way they're making that kind of money with how fast people build up medical debt. Mm. They're going to abolish medical debt for about two people and mm. be done with it. Um, well, there's so, just no way they could get that, you know, so more what, ambitious than that. They partnered up with RIP, which is the organization that does this, and they used to be a collection agency. So that's kind mm-hmm. of the thing. So they they buy debt at pennies a, on the dollar. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's how true. they're doing it. So when they're saying we're erasing... Thirty million dollars. They're actually their goal is to raise three hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and that will buy thirty million dollars in debt. Mm-hmm. So it's you have to kind of re- get in the Got it. Right there right. to see what mm-hmm. that means. Right, yeah. right. And they so two percent of their can sales goes goes towards it. So for every case, seventeen dollars of medical debt gets erased. So if you you know that works out to be approximately what seventeen cents mm-hmm. in uh, per case gets going towards that. So mm-hmm. you know, so not a hundred percent of their profit well so no, it's, it's 100% of their proceeds from you know cake sales cake sales for the but, next two months yeah. yeah but 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 it's just that I mean and, and I mean the math you were using not started to put on my nerd yeah. hat here but but I mean you're you're saying it's like one it's it's probably more it's probably like you know medical debt I think probably gets bought up at like you know 10 10% of its you know uh, yeah. original value so yeah. maybe they're trying to raise did, did they say what their actual target was for their target was 300,000 it actually was 1% of what they're trying interesting yeah, okay so, so maybe it is yeah so wow, one, okay. do- one dollar of equals a hundred dollars of medical debt oh wow okay so. okay i see um interesting well yeah i don't know i mean i guess good for them i mean if they're you know like uh, obviously they you know well not obviously but hopefully they kind of learned a lesson and they're trying to you know do the right thing now but what i'm what i'm learning is i'm just going to go get a bunch of work done and then just uh, go try to go you know get that bought by a collection agency <laughs> relieved mm-hmm. there you go that feels like the right thing to do mm-hmm. um, yeah. how about student loan debt i feel like that's more important these <laughs> maybe days. that'll be ours let's do that let's let's just take like care it. of that one the hopping hands for per- student loans yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah there we go because mm-hmm. that's going to be the destruction of yeah. <laughs> of all not yeah. uh, mm-hmm. not medical debt but <laughs> okay let's do that thanks melvin for the inspiration we're going to erase 20 billion dollars in student can debt you, can you start with my wife's yeah, yeah i was gonna yeah. say maybe, maybe let's just start with the people in the room here and yeah, yeah just kind of see how far we get yeah <laughs> just do that perfect anything else on that no no all right well fantastic uh we actually uh wes i think do your, do your great work we had somebody email um podcast at ironhorsebrewery.com and um, so I'll read his email in its entirety his name is John Nygren what's IHB's take on brewing beer at home are the prepackaged boxes uh, boxes of malt extract hops and yeast going to equal the same quality as beer brewed at Ironhorse by Ironhorse is it really comparable to craft brew as it's already assembled and the user just has to put all the ingredients together any tips for listeners that are starting an endeavor into brewing beer at home would you even suggest that people try making their own beer when there are so many great offerings down the street at your local store and or brewery? Oh, man. Yeah. That is a That's deep a one. Right there. There. That's a lot of questions. Can we just go one question yeah. at a time and kind of go by that? Uh, so the prepackaged boxes of malt, you know, the, the, the beer kits, yeah, right? the malt extract. Like, Use your beer kit, beer, whatever those things are. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he asked if it's as good as, you know, like Iron Horse beer or craft beer in general. Uh in general, I'd say no. Yeah, <laughs> I would say unequivocal, unequivocally no. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ, you can you can I be mean, uh, you can be far more uh, <laughs> black yeah. and white on that one. No, it's just uh, no, I mean, for one, a lot of those sit on the shelf for a long time, and uh, I've seen plenty of those where the ingredients are just incredibly stale. Yeah, so that doesn't help at all. And then and um, there's yeah. plenty of uh, issues 
from a flavor perspective using malt extracts versus actual malt. Yeah. Well, and I, I think one of the bigger... I mean, you don't. I don't want to discourage anybody from getting into it because I think there's a there's a definite yeah, for sure. Uh, there's a definite benefit to to doing things like that at your home, just like cooking at home, you know, versus only going out to restaurants. You know, right. it's kind of the same thing. However, the boxes are the equivalent of buying microwave dinners. Um, really, I mean, that's that's pretty like much a, the, like the a equivalent. hungry man. Yeah, hungry man. Yeah, <laughs> it's really basically the exact same thing as as going and getting pre-made food at the grocery store, microwaving it, um, as opposed to getting good fresh ingredients and and doing it yourself. Um, takes think all it, the creativity out of it and takes the quality out of it really quickly. So, do you think it makes sense to maybe at least like? Is it does it make more sense to start off just using like just you know actual ingredients or maybe if somebody's like, well, I don't know, you know, I kind of want to try homebrewing, but like I don't want to commit to. It depends on your setup, but then there's yeah. also yeah. if you really want to get into homebrewing, but you don't want to like necessarily invest there's always homebrew clubs right i was gonna say there's also i guess there's a lot of clubs yeah out there, depending yeah on the there's, there's people out. friends that'll get you into it yeah. um you know i i think it, it's a it's a worthy thing probably to do one time uh after that you should be looking at other things and you, you don't have to go straight up all grain go crazy <laughs> on equipment you right. can still do things like buy extracts but at least when you're buying extracts and you're buying your hops you're creating your own beer and Mm -hmm. i think that's one of the key things is you're not trying to make somebody else's you're not trying to clone it or duplicate it you're being creative and making your own thing see what comes out of it so do you think don't you think that's part of the the fun challenge though like so i you know i think of back to your comparison of food i'm like i'm gonna make uh i'm gonna make a steak that i saw gordon ramsay make I'm going to follow that, try to see if I can replicate that. Yeah, or the Bob Ross yeah. paintings. You right, know, yeah. You know, yeah. That's so there's something about that inspiration that, you know, if you really love a beer, like, how can I how can I replicate it? Now, even on production side, production-wise. I just, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I get the argument. I think my my take on that is, is that you can make a steak probably as good at home with very little you know, a moderate cooking skill. Um, there is zero chance you're going to make right. what's a production right. beer brewed on million dollar equipment right. at yeah. home. There's just no way. It doesn't matter how good you are. You just you don't have the same system. Uh, that doesn't mean you can't make good beer. You can make perfectly good beer. Yeah. Um, it's you know it's possible right it may not be probable in my experience right. but, yeah. but it's, it's possible, it's possible. Uh, and I think uh, that's kind of the key thing is that's why I every time people always ask me for clone recipes I always I'm like why you know yeah. like if you want to drink our beer go buy it and drink right. it while you're making your own beer because right. that's how you're going to do something different and cool and interesting and it's yours. So I think if you're brand, you know, brand new, now I've never homebrewed once in my life, and I have no intention because I have access to incredible beer at my disposal. So, uh, and I'm lazy. But um, <laughs> the the one argument I would wonder for somebody that's just getting into it for the box is to say this is these are all the steps that you need. This is what you need to understand. You know, if you had to be self guided, I would imagine yeah. that would be it. But to your point, Tyson, uh, do it once. 
Yeah. Right. Well, and the boxes. Great books out there for yeah. homebrew. But then like, you got to read, Ricky. Like, no one likes to yeah, read. Then, I don't know, because then you don't even have to buy the boxes. It'll tell you the steps immediately, <laughs> and then you're just like, oh, I need Picture. this for this step. Yeah. yeah. yeah you know. But the problem, yeah, and the problem, the box thing is, you know, you, it's not really the same thing yeah. so you're not really learning that much about you're growing by the boxes you know it's just it's you know again the analogy you know it's so, baking, baking a boxed cake doesn't teach you how to bake a cake you yeah. know um, yeah it's just it's not it's a different process it's different ingredients it's a different system so, so what do you what do you suggest there for for people that are wanting to get into brewing beer home where where should they start what, what is the, you know, homebrew club? Rig, yeah, Ricky's suggestion. Yeah. Homebrew club. Yeah, there's, there's everywhere there's homebrew clubs. And everybody that homebrews loves having people yeah. to show how to homebrew. Yeah. They just do. Yeah, it's just, it. I, yeah, it's a thing. So mm-hmm. I think that's definitely the way to start. You know, aside from that, if you're an introvert like me or you like learning things all by yourself, and uh, there's a ton of great books out there. there. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of books out there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of ways to start off slow, you know, too, you know, and, uh, and doing it yourself. And, and like I said, extract brewing is a great way to do that of skipping, you know, the, the difficulties of mashing. Although I'll also add, it's really not that difficult. Uh, even that part, you know, once you have the, the equipment, you can't really screw it up. So how did you start Tyson? How did I start? Yeah. How did you get into it? Did I you, started by school? going to school. You went straight <laughs> you, to school. Yeah. You, you were like homebrewing in high school. So no. You get drunk I, with your buddies. I was like, not. I skipped that. I skipped that part. Uh-huh. Yeah. For me, it was just uh, it was a random life change more than a, a lifelong passion or something like that. It was just let's pick something different to do. And You're like, this is a really lucrative industry. Let me go into this one. Oh, yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> let, me, let me just make lots yeah. of money. Uh, how about you, Wes? Uh, well... I got interested in beer and was studying about it on my own, doing the Cicerone stuff, and I uh, was fortunate enough to know some people that had home brewing equipment, so I got to do a little bit of home brewing uh, before I went and studied it at school, so did a little bit, but I, like I said, it's nice to know people who have spent the money already on the equipment and be able to brew with them rather than buy a whole set yourself. Yeah. And do you think there's room or opportunity for, say, pick a, a nano brewery size scale that that they're you know they're raw and lean that if if somebody has a decent work ethic, do you think it opens up more more um, more potential for harm than good? But you think, hey, let me go volunteer, let me go put some hours in at your business as an intern or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. that so they can learn with a brewer that's kind of has a little bit more experience I mean our case it, it, if we're much more difficult it wouldn't really be possible mm-hmm. but um, kind of these newer upstarts that are there's on well speaking of reddit um, on uh, there's a subreddit for brewery employees called the brewery and um, there's people on there all the time they're like hey I'm a home brewer and I want to learn how to brew and I want to go talk to my local brewery what do I do and I just want to volunteer and blah 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 and you know the thing that really comes up a lot is that um you can't volunteer your time. Yeah, That's you know, there's illegal. different illegal, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then also just kind of, um, I don't know. There's just if if you want to do that, great, but don't don't undervalue your time but if you just want to shadow for a day then you know that's something else and then reach out to your local smaller brewery if you are that inclined and don't be insulted if they say no right yeah you know take no for an answer yeah yeah it's interesting well um anything else on on the homebrew front i think that was a good question from john yeah for sure thank you john 
Uh, okay, a myth. Uh, so this is kind of the section where we just talk about some myths. Uh, we've kind of gone through a bunch, but uh, this is the one I was just remembering at our lunch when, when Alex and Sabrina, they left last week. Uh, eating yeast helps you keep from getting drunk. So uh, Jim Cook, he, he <laughs> stated that he would do this before going to beer festivals. He would take a little bit of a yeast pill and, and then that would keep him having to uh, prevent him from getting drunk by the there was actually an article in a medical journal about a fellow who had um, a few different kind of um, like pneumonia and other infections at the same time. So he had to take a lot of antibiotics and he was a home brewer and um, he got like three DUIs in like three months. And he kept like finding like, I did not drink. I did not drink. I did not drink. And so finally what they did was they, um, uh, at a hospital, they held him for 24 hours and just kept measuring his blood alcohol. And it started going up after he ate. What happened was, is his he killed his gut flora, and so then all the yeast from home brewing, like, ended up living down there instead. Oh, and wow. so it would start fermenting and actually getting him drunk. So uh, this whole Jim Cook <laughs> thing, I really don't, I don't know if that's really safe to do, especially depending on what your medical history is. So there you go. That, that's interesting. Yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm like a, a scientist, so I'm gonna, <laughs> right, yeah. I'm gonna need so, scientific backing behind that one. Uh, yeah, I'll send you that. Sounds, yeah. No, not that one. Oh, I, okay, okay. I know yeah. that's I know that one's possible. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the taking a yeast pill to avoid getting drunk. Do, um, do you think I that, have no idea how how that would happen? How just I mean, the process of brewing and making alcohol and how yeast works. Um, what that would possibly do? Yeah, <laughs> uh, the thing I could see is like. He would just have really nasty shit. So, you know, yeah, like, I, was gonna I mean, say, it's it like there's like gonna be some weirdness going on there. So, N- the yeah. NPR actually they did a they did a story on this and they, they did their own testing. And I wish I, I should Ooh. have the link. I'll find it and post it on the on the website at some point. But um, the they did it. And they kind of basically debunked it. But the, yeah. what, what fire that's them? a surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what's the what's the most effective? Drinking water between your beers, obviously. Yeah. Um, eating plenty of food. Yeah, don't food. overconsume. Right. Yes, but eating food just slows the absorption, not how fast you metabolize right. it. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's that's really what it comes down to. And at the end of the day, just consuming too much alcohol, you know. There's nothing really you can do, you can about, do about it. Taste problem. But. I don't know it was kind of interesting. Um, I, I think clearly it's it, it's interesting if he still would defend it today. But this was a few years ago when I first heard that. Placebo effect, maybe you know. Yeah. If it makes him happy, then cool. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll follow up, guys. I'll send you the, the article that he talks about it and why he says it does. Uh, you guys can. Yeah, I just I know that. enough about yeast biochemistry and and things to not understand how in the heck that would ever work right um they don't digest alcohol like that so there you go um so you know lastly just kind of what do we what do we um what do we have out what are we producing we got some new pilots of bracket i think what is a bracket oh yeah tell us about that tyson Jeez. all right uh yeah so we've got a bracket which is um i don't know what you call it it's a bracket uh but it's made with basically 50% of the extract or sugars, fermentable sugars come from malt and 50% of it comes from honey. So it's like a beer mead combo kind of? Kind of, but uh, if you did a beer mead combo, you'd ferment them separately and then mix them together. This is actually all together. So, um, And then we uh, aged it in a oak barrel that was originally had port in it. 
and then it had a uh, a beer fermented with Britannomyces in it uh, after that. Um, so yeah, so it sat in there for a little bit, and uh, we were just kicking it. It sat for. 20 years? No. Yes, 25 years. 25 years. <laughs> it was, was it about a year? It was about nine months, Yeah, it was a little bit of a shorter shorter run. We didn't want it to get too oaky, um, so we uh, relatively short, and it was the last running of that barrel. So, um, And then we have a uh, saffron wheat wine that is ready. Um, that awesome. we don't know when we're going to release it yet, but uh, it will be out sometime. Either I don't know, at some point in time, sometime when marketing gets its act together. I think. Yeah. No, no, yeah, who knows? <laughs> marketing or the pub or somebody is going to make that decision. So, um, and then we have a, a porter that is being aged in a whiskey slash vanilla extract barrel mm-hmm. um, that we hope will be ready before Christmas. So those are the big special ones. Yeah. After that, Mocha Death is starting to be kicked out of there. And uh, Are we bringing that this week or is it next week? This week. This week. Yeah. Mocha Death. If you don't know, fans, it's uh, Irish Death and Coco. Mocha. <laughs> yeah, it's mocha and mocha. And mocha. <laughs> it's, not, it's not Mocha Irish Death. Nope. It's not Coffee Irish Death. It's, it's Mocha, mocha death. death. And it's uh, um, D&M's, uh, what beans did we go for this year? Was it the Colombian again? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So DNM coffee beans get loaded into the hot gun, and uh, chocolate, good chocolate. Delicious. Delicious. Mm-hmm. Paul, anything? Yeah, anything in the tax world that we should know about? Any numbers? Oh, um, <laughs> it's really yeah, important for uh, our listeners. How much time do we have? Yeah, uh, we got, it, we got it, another four hours. hours. You know, I'll just I'll just delay it till the next. <laughs> okay. Uh, till the we'll next just do a special podcast. episode yeah. on the tax code. Yep. That'd exactly. be fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, Wes, you're you're all the way over there. No one can see because, you know, this is a podcast, but you're all the way tucked in the corner over there. Yeah. How was your bike ride? It's 112 degrees in Ellensburg. <laughs> it's warm. That's good. <laughs> well, yeah. if there's uh, nothing else you guys want to talk about, we can just get back to pretending to do work since Greg's gone mountain biking, I think. Probably. Probably. Oh, yeah. God. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. That's just like this. It's like, it's so hot. This feels great. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks for joining, guys. Yeah. Thank thanks you. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll talk to you later. Bye.